Along to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. And I'm Andrew Nichols. And today on the show, oh, it is a good one. We're talking about the Reserve Bank and their discussion around limiting interest only loans. Now, let me just talk a bit about the background before we get into it. Every six months, the Reserve Bank comes out and delivers its financial stability report. And we have been expecting the Reserve Bank to come out and talk about interest only loans and some of the other tools that they might ask for in terms of of impacting the housing market and controlling it a little bit more. Remember, their mandate has recently changed where there is now a specific clause in regards to financial stability where they've got to give regard to house prices, specifically the government's policy of wanting to moderate house prices, try and discourage investors purchasing existing properties so that first home buyers can have a bit of a go. Now, there has been a lot of talk and investors worrying about the, a limitation of interest-only loans. So currently about 40 to 42% of new investor lending is interest-only, about 60% on principal and interest. And this has been tracking down over the last couple of years. And we were expecting to see a report in late May with some decision about this or some request for additional tools. The Reserve Bank wants the government to then give them the ability to implement some more stuff. Now, I should say we don't have the final word about what the Reserve Bank is asking for. That is going to come later on in May. But this financial stability report that we've just had gives us an incredible look into where the Reserve Bank's head is at right now because they do talk in quite a lot of detail around what they're thinking, what they're feeling right now. So let me just ask you, Andrew, having read the report, what's the likelihood from your perspective that interest-only loans are going to be limited? So we think it's very low, frankly, and the reason for that is that there are other tools that the Reserve Bank wants to use, or at least use first, and it'll talk about those different tools later. But you know, one of those things that we've kind of spoken about a little bit and we are going to cover off later on is the debt-to-income ratios. So having a multiplier, which banks have to work between, so if your income's 100000 maybe they're no more than, let's say, 10 times that if you're buying an investment property. But again, we think that that's a tool that the Reserve Bank wants to have, not necessarily use straight away or, or all the time. And the reason the Reserve Bank doesn't see interest-only restrictions as being hugely effective are the following. So firstly, it won't limit credit because banks already assess servicing as if it was principal and interest, even if it's interest only. So your debt servicing isn't improved by having an interest only loan. So let me just get this straight. Anybody who's currently being approved for an interest only loan through the bank's calculations would be able to afford a P&I loan anyway. Correct. And, and same if they've got investment lending right now that's on interest only. So that's still put in as if it's principal and interest. There's a high cost to introducing this kind of policy and it's got large unintended consequences. The time that it would take to kind of implement would be around about six months. So again, kind of, we're already starting to see a bit of cooling off in the market as it is. So, you know, if they implemented this and it took six months to have any other effect and then all of a sudden it really kind of had a cost to the house prices in New Zealand, then to unwind it wouldn't be very good either. And it won't be effective in controlling house prices in their opinion. And I suppose the one last thing as well is they're expecting the other policies from the government to reduce demand for interest-only lending anyway. So tax deductibility, that change is effectively a tax on having a mortgage. And so that gives an incentive for some investors to reduce the size of their mortgage. They're expecting that debt to be paid down anyway. 
So within this financial stability report, there was an analysis of the four tools that they've been investigating. Yes, limiting interest-only loans was one of them. They've also looked at LVR tightening, debt-to-income ratios, and increasing the bank's capital requirements. So requiring those banks to hold more capital, not lend as much as well. And really what the Reserve Bank has given away is that their preferred tools are those debt-to-income ratios. That's the big thing that the Reserve Bank is worried about because us as households and investors, we've taken on a lot more debt because it's cheap to do. And so although we can afford that debt right now because interest rates are low, the big concern that the Reserve Bank is worrying about is, well, what happens if those interest rates increase? Now, it doesn't When they increase. Well, it's really to what degree. Yeah. Because remember, interest rates have been tracking down over a long time. We're expecting interest rates to increase a little bit as we come out of the economic dampness caused by COVID, and we would expect those to increase. But interest rates have been tracking down over time as well. Although the Reserve Bank talks about them returning to 5%, probably a return to 4% over the medium term would probably be something more that I would think would be more realistic than perhaps a return to to 5% certainly in the short term. So that definitely is the thing that the Reserve Bank is most worried about. And Andrew definitely is right. Even within the documents, they are talking about, well, we'd like to have this tool, even though we might not use it straight away. And definitely the last time that the Reserve Bank was talking about bringing this sort of tool in, they were saying, again, we want the ability to use it. We might not implement it straight away. The other thing that's actually quite worrying for the Reserve Bank, wealthy owner-occupiers. So owner-occupiers on big incomes tend to purchase really, really expensive houses. So rich people who own big houses tend to have very high debt-to-income ratios as well. And so it's both investors and relatively high-income owner-occupiers that the Reserve Bank are worried about because of that potential change in interest rate it's over not, time. It's nice of wealthy people to get, get to get a bit of concern from the Reserve Bank every now and then, isn't it? <laughs> Certainly they'd appreciate it. And one thing that I just want to mention in terms of the financial stability report, what they're really trying to do is smooth out that kind of boom and bust nature that we might see in a totally unregulated market. So what they're trying to do is make sure that the peaks aren't too high, that the market doesn't run too hot, because then the downside of that is you might have really deep troughs. So they're trying to smooth it out so the highs won't be as high, but then the lows won't be as low as well. And Andrew, will talk about that more shortly. But walk me through, what were those headlines within the financial stability report? What are they thinking about? So firstly, the LVRs are tapped out. Now, as you'll remember that we've, we've returned to 40% LVR. We are on existing properties if you're an investor, 20% for new. And you can't really go much higher than that. I mean, that when they first got introduced in 2013, the LVR restrictions, it was 40% and it was huge. Actually, Andrew, I just need to fact check you on this because I remember doing the research a while ago. When LVRs first came in, and if I'm wrong on this, then please correct me, text into 5522 and let me know. But LVRs were first introduced as a blanket 80% nationwide. It wasn't until about 2016, I think, where they went up to that 60% mark and really started to have an effect. See, the terrible thing is I just know not to argue with Ed once he fact checks me because he's a nerd and has got more time to research this stuff. Than <laughs> I, I, I have friends that I go out and see at the weekend, whereas Ed just Plays with my spreadsheets. <laughs> now, certainly you are right, though, that a further tightening of LVRs from the Reserve Bank's perspective is seen to be relatively ineffective. Yeah, and the other thing is the Reserve Bank wants to have the debt-to-income ratios. Now, again, we don't think that they're necessarily going to use these straight away. 
the threat of having it there is often the effect that the Reserve Bank wants to have. You know, knowing that they've got that tool in their arsenal of tools to be able to actually use then will often have a bit of a slowing down in the market and they want to take a wait and see approach to see if the new government's policies around interest deductibility and LVO restrictions being back to 40, their expectation is that the demand from investors lending is going to fall. And actually, I think that, you know, given the feedback I've had from real estate agents across the country is the open homes are noticeably down from investors. Now, a lot of people are asking as well, well, look, if debt to income ratios came in, or even if restrictions on interest only lending came in, would new bills be exempt? Yes, our understanding is that would be the case from the Reserve Bank documentation that we've seen ever since 2017. That's always been the case. Remember, it's actually quite amazing. Both the Reserve Bank and the government are trying so hard to sway the economics of property investment to tip it in favour of new builds just completely. And there are so many things going for them now. It's quite amazing just how the economics are shifting because of government policy. But one thing that I want to talk about is a really interesting piece of work that the Reserve Bank are doing around trying to figure out, well, what equals sustainable house price? And they're putting together metrics and tracking to figure out, well, are house prices sustainable or are house prices not sustainable right now? And they're doing comparisons around the cost to rent versus the cost to own a property as an owner-occupier. They're looking at metrics around investors, what's a sustainable house price in terms of the ability or the, the return that somebody gets compared to other options. And it's interesting reading some of the things that they're putting out right now. So there is a degree where they're saying these factors, uh, which I'll go through in a moment, point to a degree of sustainability in the current level of prices. And those things that are indicating that house prices may actually be at a sustainable level, much to the surprise of some people who probably pay more attention to stuff than the Property Academy podcast, they're saying things like the cost of renting and owning a property at the moment are very comparable in terms of a percentage of your household income, which is around that 25 to 30% at the moment. Now, again, what's the risk of that? Interest rates changing because that doesn't impact the cost of renting, but impacts the cost of owning a property. The other thing is that yields of investment properties have been severely declining over time. If I drew them out for you, they would be in a very downwards motion. But at the same time, the 10-year government's bond or treasury bond yield has also been in severe decline. So the yields of almost all asset classes have been severely declining since 08 as interest rates have been declining. So that's the case for a lot of assets because asset prices have become more expensive as interest rates have declined over time. That has pushed yields down. And there's been a lot in the financial stability report talking about that hunt for yield. So investors are going out and are accepting more risk in order to be able to find specific yields because everywhere yields have declined and asset prices have become more expensive. Now, again, it all hinges on long-term interest rates, but I did think it was particularly interesting to again quote the Reserve Bank saying these factors do point to a degree, only a degree, not full sustainability, but a degree of sustainability in the current levels of house prices according to their metrics. And I just think that's important to remember as well. It is not necessarily the case that the sky is necessarily falling. And that actually brings me to the next point, Andrew, which I want you to discuss, which is what is the 
benefit of Reserve Bank regulation as much as sometimes we hate it. Yeah, well, as much as it sometimes puts a spanner in the works for investors, it does seek to lock in existing capital gains and wealth, which is already in the property market, and, and maintain the status quo. Neither the government nor the Reserve Bank wants to see massively falling house prices because we stop spending money when that's the case. And if we stop spending money, the whole economy grinds to a halt. And the Reserve Bank have said numerous times, we've got to remember, we're still in a very fragile economic state in New Zealand and the rest of the world. And so, you know, it's really important that we keep spending money and that we keep feeling like we've got wealth, even if it is just in the house, because as Auckland prices go up, people go to restaurants more. And the other part to it is the Reserve Bank doesn't want to see highly indebted buyers, because if, if you've got huge debt on your portfolio, then potentially there's the problem that you're more likely to sell quickly in a downturn, and that, that contributes to this massive dip that you might see in a market when there is the GFC or something to that effect. And certainly, to me, that is actually one of the benefits of housing to some degree is this regulation from the Reserve Bank because then if we see a further increase in house prices of 20% over the next five years, perhaps, and that wouldn't be inconceivable. Remember, only six months ago, the Reserve Bank was predicting from their own analysis another 20% increase in house prices over a three-year period. So certainly there are some fundamental drivers that are tending towards house price increases. There wasn't a prediction in this particular data release that came out, but as house prices continue to increase, there is some degree, it's not a one-way bet, but there is a degree of stability in holding on to that increased wealth because a decline in house prices would contribute to making any economic downturn even worse and even more prolonged. So there is a real financial incentive in terms of the stability of the economy for the Reserve Bank to encourage house prices to be relatively stable, even as they increase to continue having those gains locked in over over the medium term. I always am able to get out of anything by saying over the medium term as well. Now, data nerds, I'm sure you would have found this so fascinating. You would have come out for dinner with Andrew and I. Remember, we are coming to Christchurch, Queenstown, Auckland and Wellington. We're taking 10 of you out, plus partners, and we're about to do that draw in the next week. So how do you get amongst that? First of all, Rate, review, subscribe, and your favourite podcast listening app. Of course, for you guys on Spotify, we know you don't have a tool to be able to give us a review, so that's okay. Share something to your story or on your feed, tag us in it. Follow us on Instagram, we are at opus underscore partners, and send that to us at podcast at opuspartners.co.nz, along with your city, so we know which drawer to put you in. And we're looking forward to taking out for dinner, covering the food, covering the wine, and getting to meet you, hear your stories. And I think, Andrew, maybe, you're going to dress up as something special for us. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. I'm Andrew Nicholl. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time. <laughs>